the scholars then saw Ahmed al-Hassan as a even greater threat. And so they began to issue fatwas that he be killed, that he was a false climate, that he was a Dajjal, an antichrist. They even uh, bombed his house just moments after he managed to uh, escape from there because uh, the 12th Imam told him to uh, leave the, the house or the residence. And once he did so, uh, they ended up uh, bombing the place and uh, they were hunting him down. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. Ilaymu al-Mahdina wa salam taslima. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My dear sister Tiffany. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, dear father. Inshallah, you're doing okay. Yeah, I'm doing great today. Thank you so much for having me. Alhamdulillah, thank you for being here. Yeah, so today we want to talk about uh, one of the signs, uh, one of the most important signs actually of the emergence of the Mahdi. Uh, and that is the sign of the Amani. Uh, so we have these signs that, um, you know, bidet could happen in them. Okay, so the Ahl al-Bayt um, they spoke a lot about things that were to happen in the future, signs that were to happen before the coming of the Mahdi, events that would take place uh, during the life of the Mahdi or during the life of the of the Qa'im, um, things that would happen to the nation of Islam after the death of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi uh, or in the future, you know, if it was the Imams that were speaking about it or narrating it. And all of these signs uh, are subject to change. The actions of the people could change the event taking place, right? Yes. Um, so there is a potential for change depending on the actions of the people, but the Ahl al-Bayt would mention that this and this and this is going to happen because it is the most likely probability based on what is taking place right now on the ground. Okay. okay? However, there are these signs which the Ahl al-Bayt said were inevitable, unchangeable. Okay? okay, no bidet could run in them. And bidet means a change can happen, like uh, in the uh, plan of, of, of God or in the events that take place, the course. Uh, one thing was decreed and it can be changed into another thing. Yes. Yeah? Just like in the very beginning when the Prophet Muhammad uh, you know, started with Islam, it was the decree of God that he worshipped with his followers uh, towards Jerusalem. Uh, and then afterwards, it changed, and he began to uh, worship, uh, you know, towards Kaaba or turn his face towards Kaaba. Uh, the same thing happens. Uh, or when the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi for example, went out with his companions, and he was leading them into the Battle of Uhud. So the Battle of Badr, he won it. The Battle of Uhud, the Prophet went out with his companions. They, he obviously led them into the battle to win, not to lose. And um, it was because of their actions and their shortcomings and their abandoning of the plan and disobedience to the Prophet of Allah Sallallahu that uh, caused the event to change and the victory uh, became, at, you know, a victory for the disbelievers instead of a victory for 
the believers. Yes. Yeah. So that was a change in the plan of God. Yeah. God had intended, willed, wanted for the Muslims to be victorious in Uhud, but because their actions, it changes. Yes. It happened numerous times throughout the Old Testament and even the New Testament as well. Exactly. So God intends one thing and then it changes, yeah. right? And and we have the example, uh, since you mentioned the, the Old Testament, of the Israelites and, yeah. you know, how, how uh, well, Moses, he left them and he was supposed to leave them for 30 days in the Quran and then God makes an additional 10 days. So then they didn't think that he was uh, coming back. It became... Uh, 40. So that's a change. It was also a change when uh, the Israelites were supposed to just cross over into the promised land and then it changes and, and they end up, you know, having to wander in the desert for 40 years, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. That was a change and that was a bidet. Okay. Yeah. So now that we've established that bidet is possible, um, there are things that are inevitable uh, that must happen. The Ahl Bayt mentioned them. Uh, one of them is the appearance of the Sufiani. Uh, the Sufiani became an inevitable sign. And uh, that must happen, that will happen. There was a 100% chance that no matter what the choices of the, Mus of the Muslims are throughout the, uh, from the time of the Prophet Muhammad all the way until the time of the, of the emergence of the, of the Qa'im, no matter what choices they made, it is this Sufiani character has to emerge. And that's because of the immense hatred that was in the hearts of the family of Abu Sufyan. Whether it was Abu Sufyan or if it was Muawiyah, his son, or if it was Yazid, uh, his son after that, this family, this cursed tree, um, they had so much hatred towards the Prophet Muhammad and his family that that they they there had to be an enemy that would emerge from their loins uh, in the future that would fight against um, the Qa'im or the Mahdi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the other signs is the appearance of a, of a hand in the sky. Right. This is uh, one of those inevitable signs. Another one of the signs which were inevitable. Uh, that no bidet can can happen to, to to change this is the appearance of a character that's called the Yamani. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now it's important that we we understand the difference here. The sign is the sign of the Yamani. The character is called the Yamani and not the Yemeni. It's difference. Yes. Okay. Yemeni means somebody from Yemen. Yamani means somebody who's a a right hand. Okay? okay, and this character is like a right hand to Imam al-Mahdi okay. okay, and when we look at the narrations of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad salam, to see what it is that they say about this individual, uh, they say that he is the companion of a truthful banner. Uh, they also say that uh, if you if the if the Amani emerges, then it is upon every Muslim uh, to give him victory and to join him. It says that um, in the time of, of the Yemeni, selling weapons is forbidden. Uh, it also says that the Yemeni, whoever goes against him, is from the people of hellfire. Okay. okay. And so we can understand from these, this narration, right, that the Amani 
and from the words of the Ahl Bayt, that the Yemeni, it is an obligation to support him, and anybody who doesn't support him goes to hellfire, right? Yeah. And this does not occur except with somebody who is infallible and somebody who is a messenger or a proof upon the people. Because God would never make it an obligation to follow somebody unless he was the absolute truth. Yes, right? of course, yeah. Because the narrations about the Yemeni, it doesn't, it doesn't specifically say that he is an infallible imam. This is one of those secrets that ends up uh, being decoded and in, in the time of his appearance. Okay. Uh, but it says it in a different way. And that different way is that Muslims have an obligation to support this Yemeni and that he has a banner and his banner is a banner of truth and anybody who goes against it is from the people of hellfire. And so you can tell through this description that the individual, the character of the Yemeni, who's a forerunner, he comes before the appearance of Imam al-Mahdi Um, We can tell from there that he is now an infallible character somebody who it is an obligation to follow this individual, right? Yes. And we also have another narration which specifically states that before the Mahdi, uh, there is a Yemeni and there is an Egyptian, right? So now we know that there's two characters that appear, uh, you know, on the... Uh, uh, you know, on the on the battleground or 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 you know, in the public uh, realm, uh, before the appearance of the public appearance uh, to the masses of Imam al-Mahdi salam, and and one of them is this Yemeni character, and this Yemeni character is the same Yemeni character that's being described in the uh, other narration. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Who is this character that is an infallible individual? and who appears before Imam al-Mahdi, and it's an obligation that we follow. Well, other narrations state that he emerges in the same time as two other characters. One of them is called the Khurasani, and another one is called the Sufyani, which we mentioned. Yes. And the Sufyani is the ultimate evil character, and the Khurasani it is unclear in the narrations whether he is, you know, what side he ends up landing on. But he's one of those characters that is neutral, um, that has his own agenda. That is, it is not stated that we should support him or follow him, nor are there narrations that are outright condemning him. But he does appear as this leader whom is racing towards Iraq um, at the same time that these other two are there. So it says that these three, they emerge in the same time. You know, even uh, the narrations say that it's so close to one another that it's like as if it's they're, they're, they're emerging in the same hour, actually. Yeah. yeah? Other narrations uh, say that the army of the Sufyani and the army of the Amani, that like they're both rushing uh, towards Iraq at the same time. So now we see that this banner of truth is in confrontation with the ultimate evil and the enemy of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, and that is the Sufyani and his army. Okay. So in 1999, we, we had some interesting things take place. In 1999, uh, we had uh, a couple characters appear 
1999, it was the year that King Abdullah of Jordan uh, was crowned and he became uh, the King of Jordan. And in 1999, the dawah, the invitation, the call of a man, uh, you know, also took place. It also became a public phenomenon in Iraq. And basically what happened in Iraq is that uh, Saddam Hussein, Lanatullahi uh, was, um, you know, uh, being a tyrant as usual, and he decided that he was going to uh, write around that time period the Quran with his blood, and uh, when he did so, uh, there was a man who gave a prediction, gave a prophecy that this would spell the end of the. Uh, rule of Saddam Hussein and right shortly after that happened the American uh, invasion uh, of Iraq. His dawah starts in 1999. It starts in the Hausa. He, uh, he enrolls in the Hausa um, and he begins to speak to the students there and he begins to propagate his message. He identifies himself as being the character of the Amani that is mentioned in the narrations that it is an obligation to follow. He identifies himself also as being a messenger of Imam al-Mahdi He claims to the students of the Hawza, and Hawza is the, is the religious institution that teaches uh, Shia Islam uh, in Iraq and, and trains all of the Shia ministers and cler uh, clerics. He informs them that he has had a secret meeting with Imam al-Mahdi that the Mahdi, uh, Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Askari appears to Ahmed al-Hassan uh, in a dream. And he tells him that he needs to go to this particular place and meet him. Yeah. Um, and this occurs not just one time, but several times. And finally, Ahmed al-Hassan gets up and he goes to that particular mausoleum, which he was instructed to go to in his dream. Lo and behold, he finds in the mausoleum the man whom he saw in the dream, whom identified himself as Imam al-Mahdi, Muhammad ibn al-Hassan al-Askari, Okay? Wow. So it's like, it's one of those Abraham-type, events that takes place with Ahmed Hassan, God instructing Abraham to go to Mount Moriah. Same thing is taking place here. You have a, a dream that God gives to Ahmed Hassan where he sees um, Imam al-Mahdi and Imam al-Mahdi is telling him to go meet him somewhere and then dream becomes reality. The dream becomes true. And Ahmed, whose real name is Ahmed, son of Ismail, his father's name is Ismail, uh, obeys the dream, he believes in the dream, he goes, and indeed Imam al-Mahdi uh, is there. Imam al-Mahdi proceeds, according to the narration of Ahmed, son of Ismail, uh, to uh, awaken him to many facts. Uh, and he chooses and appoints Ahmed al-Hassan. Uh, his name is Ahmed, son of Ismail. His, his nickname, all right, became Al-Hassan, 
so just like you have the 12 imams each and every one of them has like their name their birth name so Jafar al-Sadiq his birth name is Jafar son of Muhammad yes right yeah uh, but each and every one of the imams would get receive from God uh, or from the imam before them a a title and so Jafar was titled the truthful one so he became Jafar al-Sadiq Ahmed al-Hassan Ahmed, son of Ismail, he receives the title Al Hassan and he becomes more well known as Ahmed Al Hassan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Imam Al Mahdi appoints him as a deputy and he informs him of many things, all right? And he reminds him of himself and he disturbs him greatly with uh, many truths and realities uh, about the corruption that is that exists within the Shia institution and and the corruption that exists around the world in general and he educates him okay and enlightens him uh, to his mission and uh, you know to what is going on and this breaks the heart of Ahmed Hassan because he had before um, a lot of faith in the Shia institution and he thought that uh, they resembled the salt that could fix even you know the yeah. the most bland of foods or or the the most corrupt of foods. Uh, you know the the Shia institution would 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 solve that. But he said that he found that even the salt had become uh, you know corrupted or had gone had gone bad. Yes, yeah. And uh, he gave several speeches, by the way, uh, which which people can find and uh, they can uh, listen to. One of them is uh, to their great one. Uh, another speech of his is the sermon, um, you know, of the meeting uh, with Imam al-Mahdi. And uh, you have another sermon which was directed at the students of the Hausa. And a fourth speech, was the, which was the speech of Hajj, right, or the speech of pilgrimage. And um, most of these, you can, you can find all of them actually on our YouTube channel and, and uh, hopefully on our website, um, you know, where people can watch it uh, in its entirety, subtitled, um, and hear the voice of Ahmed Hassan and, and, and hear him speaking in his own, uh, narrating the, you know, his own story of his encounter with uh, Imam al-Mahdi The Imam also became enlightened to the fact that there are these 12 Mahdi's. Ahmed Hassan he says that before that point he didn't know anything and he never had thought that he would even work or be involved in the field of religion. He had actually before this encounter went to school and studied to be an engineer yeah yeah uh, but he was chosen uh, by god and it's not strange for uh, the messengers of god or the infallibles before um, they are chosen or before their mission uh, begins or before their baptism or before they're sent forward with the holy spirit to um, you know, have a different uh, trade. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know that Jesus was a carpenter. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He was a tradesman, and, yeah. and as such, so uh, Ahmed Hassan um, he becomes enlightened to the fact that there are actually twelve Mahdi's, and Imam Al Mahdi salam shows Ahmed Al Hassan the will that the Prophet Muhammad wrote on his deathbed, and he informs him. 
and 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 shows them in a clear way through the narrations how the Prophet Muhammad, when death approached him on Thursday, it was a Thursday, um, he gathered some of his companions and 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 uh, family members, and he wanted to write a will. He was forbidden from writing the will. He was accused by one of the people present, which which is identified in the who is identified in the narrations as Omar ibn Khattab. He was um, forbidden from writing down that which he wanted to write down. Yeah. And Imam al-Mahdi showed Ahmed al-Hassan how the will is a protection against misguidance because the Prophet says, bring me a paper and pen so I can write you something that if you hold on to it, you will never go astray. So this is a divine promise that is safeguarded that whatever it is that the Prophet writes in that paper, whoever abides by it, they will never go astray if they believe in the Prophet Muhammad um, you know, and and the religion of Islam. Okay, so it's fixed. It's it, fixed. it cannot change. It cannot change. And uh, then Imam al-Mahdi showed Ahmed al-Hassan how uh, this will, even though the, the Prophet was prevented from writing it, um, on that Thursday, on the day of his passing, which was a few nights later, he ends up dictating it in a narration to Imam Ali. And it is the only narration out there in all of the books of the Muslims that states specifically what it was that the Prophet had intended to write. So there, there's one narration. It is an apparent narration that is in the books of the Muslims, and it's important that it's a that it's a that it's a narration that that is in the books of the Muslims that show what is written because the. Uh, narrations state, and the Ahl al-Bayt stated that uh, we don't have a single imam that comes from us except that he is infallible, okay? okay. And the infallible person uh, does not come except that he, his name appears in a will, and, and, and he is not known by the apparent of his appearance. You cannot tell who is an infallible person, who the Yemeni is that we have this obligation to follow. You cannot tell just by the way that they look. Mm -hmm. You can't tell who the Mahdi is just by uh, looking for physical signs because there's many people that you will find in them these physical signs. It's impossible to identify. And uh, for if, the, if, if a, an entire nation of Muslims are obliged to follow a particular person, they all can inspect his body. It's impossible. So there has to be another way to identify him. And that way to identify him, according to Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, is that their name is mentioned in a will. And we find here that the Prophet, on the day of his passing, he writes this, this will, and it's the only will that's out there, and it is the apparent will. And the Ahlbayt said that the companion of the matter would be known by the apparent will, a will that the people had always had between their hands. Yes. Yeah. yeah? And in that will, uh, it states that, you know, the names of all of these successors of the Prophet Muhammad from Imam Ali going all the way down to the 12th Imam, Imam al-Mahdi, who's now the speaker who's speaking to Ahmed al-Hassan. And, and then it says in there, in the will, and that when death approaches him, he should hand it over to um, 
the first of the of the of the of the close ones or the first of the Mahdi's in in some narrations and he has three names and then it mentions Abdullah Ahmad al-Mahdi right yes and so Imam al-Mahdi tells Ahmad al-Hassan that this name Ahmad who appears in the will this is you you are my successor you are my messenger you are the Ahmed that's mentioned in the will. When the people ask you for a proof that you met with me, right? Yeah. You remember when Moses met with God? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he says, he says to him, you know, like, okay, how am I going to convince these people? You know, who do I say sent me, right? Um, you know, and, and God enforces him. He enforces him with miracles. He enforces him with telling him, uh, you know, what to tell the people that his name is, etc. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Moses identifies himself also to the Israelites as being this promised savior that was foretold by Joseph that they had been awaiting for. They were looking and praying for this character's appearance. Yes. So same thing. Same thing here. Ahmed al-Hassan, he goes forward and Imam al-Mahdi tells him that this is what you do. You tell the Shia, the true believers who held on to the will and believed in the promise of the Prophet Muhammad that whoever holds on to this would never go astray. Inform them that you are the companion of the will. You are, your name is mentioned in the will. This is your letter of appointment by the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, peace and blessings be upon him. Tell him that you are Ahmed. Tell him that the narrations of the Ahl-Bayt said that nobody can claim this matter and not be the companion of this matter except that God will cut off their age. Uh, go forward and proclaim yourself as Ahmed in the same way that the Prophet Muhammad you know, he proclaimed himself and, and, and said that he was mentioned on the tongue of Jesus, you know, and he is the prophet that they find that they found written in the Torah and in the Gospels, right? Yes. So the people from before, they mentioned Muhammad's name in their wills and, and in their prophecies in the same manner. You, Ahmed Hassan, go forward and proclaim yourself uh, that you are mentioned by name, Ahmed, in the will of the Prophet Muhammad. And he also informed him that he is the first of the 12 Mahdi's whom are to follow uh, Imam al-Mahdi, and that he is to tell people also that, uh, you know, it's, it's an obligation to follow him and uh, to take the Pledge of Allegiance uh, from the people and to call them towards the supremacy of God. The main case that Ahmed al-Hassan was sent forward with is this case of the supremacy of God. Yeah. And so Ahmed al-Hassan does exactly that, and he tells everybody that, look, um, you have all gone astray um, and what they're teaching you in the Hausa is corrupt. And the main reason why it is corrupt is because these clerics are um, have abandoned the idea that God is the one whom appoints the ruler. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the only one who, and he's who the only one. said such things, uh, you know, in, in the environment that he was in in Iraq amongst all these scholars 
uh, who are calling people to follow themselves, who are calling people to imitate them uh, in this environment of people, uh, uh, you know, wanting democracy, uh, supporting the Americans and bringing democracy to Iraq. He was the only one who was um, who was saying such things, that God is the only one who chooses the ruler. And if you go back and you look at the story of religion, that's the key that was missing for such a long time that had been lost, that that is how God operates. He alone chooses the ruler. Exactly. And so what do we have now? We have um, his prophecy came true. The Americans came in, as you mentioned. They toppled Saddam Hussein. And Ahmed Hassan raises this banner uh, that's that's a white banner that says in the middle of it in green writing, Al-Bayalillah, uh, or supremacy is to God. And um, as all of the clerics on the earth right whether they lived in the east of the lands or the west of the lands yeah and now in the very in the very home of shia islam yeah right at the in the in the capital of the divine just state iraq in the home of ali ibn abi talib in the lands that the blood of imam al hussein alayhis was spilled because of this idea that we have to reject the leader who's appointed you know by his own self or by means of the people leaders such as yazid and that we should only follow the appointed person who's mentioned in the world who is imam al-hussein and the imams that are appointed uh, from the ahl bayt in the very place the birthplace uh you know and the death place of so many members of the of the Ahl Bayt and Imams from the family of Muhammad um, the Shia clerics began to call towards democracy and call towards the supremacy of the people and call towards elections. And Ahmed Hassan he came forward saying, No, Imam al Mahdi is saying that this is heresy. This uh, voting in the elections, basically, it is a it is a reneging on the oath that you're supposed to give and your pledge that you're supposed to give to the Imam of the time. Hence, the Prophet Muhammad said, "Whoever dies and doesn't have a pledge of allegiance in his neck dies the death of ignorance." And then another narration says, "Whoever dies and does not." know the imam of the time will die the death of ignorance. So you know that you have this obligation to pledge allegiance to the imam of your time, the person who's appointed by God, and yet these clerics who are speaking in the name of religion are teaching the masses that they have an obligation and issuing fatwas that they have an obligation to choose their own ruler. And this comes in com into contradiction with the you know, very teachings that are in the Quran when he says, when God says, verily, I'm, uh, you know, I'm making a caliph in the land, or, um, you know, w when, when God in the Torah gets offended because the Israelites are uh, wanting to choose a king or suggesting that, you know, a king be brought forward instead of uh, Samuel to rule over them, um, and God is infuriated by this, or uh, in the Gospels when God is choosing Jesus as the leader who's appointed by him, and yet 
the Pharisees and the people, they want to kill the person who's appointed by God in order that they, um, you know, follow the uh, man chosen leaders and the clerics. And uh, yeah, we've spoken about that uh, a lot. And so he goes forward and he declares this. He identifies himself as Ahmed in the will. He identifies himself as being a messenger from Imam al-Mahdi and a messenger from Jesus Christ to the Christians and a messenger uh, from Elijah to the Jews. And he is becomes the only voice that's proclaiming in the wilderness supremacy, rulership, kingship is to God. And we as human beings have no obligation from God to pledge allegiance to anybody except for the person that he appoints. And if we do pledge allegiance to anybody, then we become uh, their partners in whatever crimes that they commit against uh, the masses or against uh, the people or against um, mankind, the wars that they partake in, uh, the oppression uh, that comes over the land, the poor people that are left poor, any crime that takes place, any injustice that takes place under the rulership of the false tyrant, false king, right? The the person who is appointed by the people, uh, those who support him become partners uh, with him in his crimes. Wow. Oh, that's extremely heavy. It is heavy. And Ahmed Hassan told them, he said that, you know, and, and, and because of that, the punishment, you know, is overshadowing you. And, uh, and you become deserving of the punishment. Because even if you are just a good person who's living at home and you're not breaking any of God's laws and you're not oppressing anybody directly, just the mere fact that you a, elect a person into power, right? Yeah. Uh, if he does this or his government does this, then you become his partner in that because you have enabled uh, him to do so. Yeah. And, and, and so he warned the people uh, greatly about this and he became the only voice that was saying so. Even in the Iran, um, in Egypt, Tunisia, Libya, um, all of the countries in the Middle East, they were all calling uh, towards uh, elections and Ahmed Hassan was the only one and the only voice on the face of the earth um, that came, that was calling towards the, the choice of God, raising a banner that's written in the Al-Bayalillah, supremacies to God. And, and that is the banner of guidance that's mentioned in the narrations, the banner of the Amani, that whoever goes against it is from the people of hellfire because whoever goes against the choice of God or the system of God, which is that he's the one who appoints a ruler, um, then they will be from the people of hellfire. Yeah. You know, whoever, uh, you know, dies and doesn't know the imam of the time dies the death of ignorance yeah. and whoever fights against the imam of the time or fights against the amani uh, or the banner of the amani then for sure he's from the uh, people of hellfire because god uh, is the one who created us and he is the only one who has a, a right to appoint over us um, the person whom he who has his spirit like adam and Moses and Jesus and Muhammad, um, the spirit that is to um, you know that is, that is that knows how to take care of God's creation. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that's, it's absolutely revolutionary, the message that he came forward with and completely different from anything that anybody was saying. And yeah, uh, and perhaps people before had forgotten or they weren't aware that the, the blood of the tyrants that they elect will be on their hands. But once he came forward, uh, there was no excuse anymore. They, they knew. So these narrations uh, talking about how if you go against his banner, they would be from the people of Hellfire, they, they make complete sense. Exactly. And so Ahmed Hassan, he continued to preach his message and he became quite popular. Um, and uh, there was a, a few waves of, of uh, there was a few times where people pledged allegiance to him and then they betrayed him and kind of like uh, went back on their oath or their pledge of allegiance. Uh, and and uh, Ahmed Hassan, he mentions this in his speeches about how um, in the very beginning under Saddam's reign, uh, you know, many of the students from the house that they pledged allegiance to him and they recognized that he really was from Imam Mahdi and he did come with sufficient uh, proof and uh, they did accept him. Um, as their imam, but then afterwards, uh, you know, due to fear of the tyrant or uh, doubt or whatever it was, they uh, went back on their on their oath, and this took place uh, twice. And then, um, you know, after that, uh, he ended up actually gaining a lot of support. Uh, people start coming into uh, the religion in very big ways after they had gotten a taste of democracy for a few years and found that. Um, the time that they were living in and the suffering that was taking place was actually worse than the time of Saddam Hussein. And he began to pose a threat to the clerics uh, because the clerics are calling towards the, to, towards the elections and he's saying, no, you have to follow me. And, and, and so, uh, you know, the people would ask, well, the clerics are saying that we should do elections. And the Yemeni had to say, well, Imam al-Mahdi and Muhammad and the family of Muhammad have explicitly stated in their narrations that the scholars at the end times would be the worst scholars under the sky. And that from them emerges the fitna and to them it comes back. And that they are the, the traitors, um, you know, and they're more dangerous uh, to our Shia than the armies of Yazid or the Dajjal, right? And so there's like all of these narrations that emphasize that the scholars of the end times are horrible. And their example and likeness is the likeness of the Pharisees in the time of yeah. Jesus or the, the priests and the rabbis that were fighting against Muhammad Sallallahu in the beginning of, of, uh, of Islam. And, uh, and uh, they... The scholars then saw Ahmed Hassan as a even greater threat, and so they began to issue fatwas that he be killed, that he was a false climate, that he was a Dajjal, an antichrist. They uh, basically made his blood halal and encouraged the different militias to take action um, against him. And uh, that is, uh, that's when Ahmed al-Hassan uh, you know, had to begin to, to, to hide more out of the public eye. And uh, they even uh, bombed his house uh, in, in Iraq uh, just moments after he managed to uh, escape from there because uh, the 12th Imam told him to uh, leave the, the house or the residence. And once he did so, uh, they ended up uh, bombing the place and uh, they were hunting him down. 
um, and the intelligence services in Iraq uh, were also hunting him down, and they were working with the the Americans and the uh, uh, you know and and proclaiming him to be a uh, you know a terrorist or or a nuisance and a criminal and these types of things. Uh, even though Ahmed Hassani Salam, uh, he was never, ever, ever, and it's been proven now, uh, he was never responsible for any type of crime in Iraq uh, or any type of act of terrorism whatsoever. On the contrary, him and his followers have always been peaceful and propagated the message in a, in a, in a peaceful manner. And uh, eventually he is forced to go into hiding uh, and this is something also which is mentioned in the narrations. And uh, he went into an absence um, where he disappeared after there was a very serious attempt against his life in 2007. Um, and uh, that is, in short, the history of the Amani from 1999 until 2007 and a brief look at his message and his um, and his call and uh, Ahmed Hassan uh, then basically uh, a few years after that um, ends up um, sending forward uh, another companion of the will um, and his successor uh, to emerge and talk to the people um, in the public and call towards the supremacy of God. And he met with him uh, just like uh, Imam al-Mahdi met with him and enlightened him to his role and made him go forward and proclaim uh, his name uh, in the will as Abdullah. And uh, uh, here we are today, uh, speaking and calling people once again to the supremacy of God, but this time, uh, instead of uh, speaking uh, just in Arabic uh, in Iraq uh, to the uh, Iraqis or to the Muslims or the Arab people, uh, we are proclaiming uh, this message uh, to the whole world uh, in English and in many other languages. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, thank you so much for for enlightening me about the the whole story of the Amani uh, from from the beginning, uh, how he f learned his role, how he learned that he was the Amani, mentioned in the will of Prophet Muhammad, um, up until the present day. Uh, it's a beautiful story, and I see so many parallels between this story and the history of of God's religion throughout time. And um, it, it's it's amazing to be alive in this time and have a chance to. Uh, be a part of this call and call people to the supremacy of God uh, and hold the banner proudly uh, that declares that supremacy is God alone. God bless you, Tiffany. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you so much. Salam alaikum. Alaikum salam.